Welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is an amazing day and I have an amazing guest waiting for me here in the lines. Stephanie Olsen is a woman who has made it her mission to talk about human trafficking. And there are many people who talk, but she actually walks the walk. She is part of an NGO that is going out there to educate and to demystify the topic, to bring it out of the taboos and raise awareness. And that is such an important issue because no doubt we're going to be talking about the statistics that are out there and the, the many crying out loud uh, silent cases, the the. the, the sheer wave of suffering that is out there and I'm I'm honored that Stephanie is here to talk to us about exactly those issues so Stephanie welcome to my show thank you so much for having me I'm excited oh fantastic um how did you get into that I mean this is this is not something that you as a child woke up and think you know one day I will be, you know, an NGO. I will go out there and yeah. teach people. And no. How did it no, this is nothing I truly would have chosen to do at all. But I had worked in the area of, with women in the area of domestic violence and addiction. And I had been speaking all over. And really through my own experience, because I'm a survivor of domestic violence, I'm a survivor of sexual violence and assault, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I've got all of the things going on. And so I worked with women in that area. And one day, one of the women that I was working with said, let's help sex trafficked victims. That's a quote. Now, I had no idea what that meant. I had this image in my mind of what that meant. And it meant these women who were kidnapped and shipped somewhere. And I thought, okay, well, let's help sex trafficked victims. And when we started to research what that looked like, I realized, wow, that's not at all what I think it is. And I'm a mom of three kiddos and they were much younger then. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's my kiddos who are the targets. And it's happening in my home through social media. It's not anything that I thought it was. And no one's ever told them that this is a risk. No one's ever told me. And that's really how it started. Um, I had also worked in the schools um, in healthy relationships, teaching middle and high schoolers. So I asked a couple teachers, do you see this? And one of the teachers I asked, who was really close to retirement, was just kind of done, said, nope, we don't see that. Well, in her school district, four girls had gone missing that month, and it was all related to human trafficking. So that kind of lit a fire under me. And um, I, I connected with a couple of more teachers and counselors. And within two months of that connection, we were in schools. It happened very quickly. And that's probably a really good thing because I, I wouldn't have, 
I probably wouldn't have done it if I had to, time to think about it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been an amazing journey. What are the statistics? Where do, where do you live, Stephanie? In which part? So of- I live um, in Omaha, Nebraska in the States. So really the middle of America, right? Right. Centrally located. And a lot of people think it's not happening in our community um, because it's, you know, we're considered a flyover state. It's not going to happen there when in fact we are a hotspot for it. And we are seeing so much of it in areas that people think not happening here. And really, that's where so much of it is happening. Nebraska, automatically a picture of a more rural, smaller communities mm-hmm. come to my mind, uh, salt of the earth kind of people, farms, etc. But also bigger, uh, bigger um, towns dotted around where there will be some industry. Yep. And automatically, you think about 2008-9, the global financial crisis, yep. um, then you think other disasters, so to speak, happening. What is the unemployment in your area? Oh, my goodness. It's about um, 2% right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and it really, now, now, Omaha is a very unique city because we are with all this rural area. Um, We've got Western Nebraska, which, you know, there are areas of Western Nebraska that you can drive through and not see a single person. But Omaha is, you know, the home of Warren Buffett, who is one of the richest men in the world. And um, we have a lot of corporations. We have a lot of um, a lot of amazing culture. Um, the College World Series is here. We've got a lot of the Olympics, you know, trials are here. And uh, there's a lot of great medical things happening in Omaha. Cool. And Omaha is a, is a community that it's a wonderful community, but tends to bury the problems. <laughs> is it a very so. white community? Um, it, or is there, uh, is there, are there some indigenous, um, uh, are there different colors around? Yes, there is much more diversity in Omaha than there is in other areas of Nebraska. The mm. population of Nebraska is very white. Mm. Um, and so when you go Western, you see much, much less diversity. Um, but Omaha is a pretty diverse community. Beautiful. Not as diverse as I'd like it to be, <laughs> but but definitely more diverse than than okay. the rest of Nebraska. So, yeah. So we are talking predominantly white, lower to middle sort of strata of society. Do I get the feeling right there? Am I am I fair yeah, to say that? I would say in Omaha it's probably more middle to upper. middle. I would, I would, and, and certainly there's poverty here and um, things like that, but um, Omaha is a very, very wealthy community. Interesting. So, because now, now that we have set the scene, now that we know what we are talking about, um, now we can move forward because there are so many myths about human trafficking. There is so much, it's the same, like with alcoholism, 
you see somehow a disheveled person vomiting in the gutter. Um, exactly. Yes. So, <laughs> and no, trust me, guys, no, I was never lying in the gutter. I was mm -hmm. hiding it nicely behind the white picket fence at home. That's right. Okay. So I would uh, say I didn't drink out of a bag. Exactly. You know, it's that image. Right. Exactly. Yes. So, but now let's talk about the myths mm -hmm. of human trafficking. Yeah. You would say that in your community, when you started out, they were within a short period of time, four young women were missing. Um, yeah. Were these missing women widely advertised in the sense of sort? Where, where they're, where, you know, in the past, you guys put, put missing children on the back of milk bottles mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and to right. actually raise awareness of people like that. Has that right. gone completely by the wayside because it's such an avalanche, such a hidden... You know, it's, it's, very, it's very different, I think, because the other thing about Omaha that is different from other communities is um, Omaha's very segregated. And so not only segregated with, I mean, there, there seems to be some segregation of race, but definitely segregation of class. And so you're not, you're going to see um, different um, communities have different wealth pockets and there's not a real mixture, which is not good. Um, but because of that, there is a mentality that, um, for example, it only happens, bad things only happen on this side of Omaha. They don't happen on this side of Omaha. And so we have this mindset that, uh, and which is why I say we are hit so hard in the Midwest of, of the United States, because there's this mentality is it doesn't happen here. It wouldn't happen here. And so I think those are some of the biggest myths that we see. Um, but I, I would like to define human trafficking first, because I think that in and of itself is where some of the myth comes, because okay. human trafficking is the buying and selling of a human being for the personal profit or gain of another through force fraud or coercion. Now that force fraud or coercion piece is really important because what we think about so often is force. We think about somebody putting a gun to somebody's head, tying them up, kidnapping them and whatever. That's, that's what we think about. That's what sells movies. That's what, I mean, that's what we hear. The, the problem is, if we are looking for the wrong thing, we're going to miss what's really happening. We're going to miss how it's happening. And the majority of trafficked individuals know they're traffickers before they're ever trafficked. And so if that's the case, kidnapping's really not happening. It's not, I mean, not that it doesn't happen, but that's not the common um, lure for a trafficker to find the individual they're trafficking. So, yeah, it's a, and when we're talking about minors and adults here in, um, our federal law says that, um, that with adults force fraud or coercion must be proven in order for there to be a conviction of trafficking with minors, 
force, fraud, or coercion does not have to be proven. So any type of commercial sex, any sex work slash prostitution, any pornography or child abuse images or exotic dancing, all of that is considered sex trafficking for a minor. Is that rule throughout the United States or is that only Nebraska? That is federal. That's all of the United States. Cool. Yep. Okay. Interesting because you're quite right. There is uh, a lot of undercurrent there because if yeah. there is no money in the society and no prospect of, or no, no, no feeling of, Hey, I can work myself out of certain circumstances. Yeah. I can do something for my future. Then you have to look around and be pragmatic. I mean, in it is, you know, how many women, women around the world in war-torn countries survive because they become the lover of a soldier who has just conquered this area. Right. So that right. is their survival. They have not chosen that, but in right. order to survive, they are willing to do whatever it takes. And right. I can see that this is probably a prominent driver in such behavior mm -hmm. am i am i is that my own prejudice or is it is that a a, a big issue you know, clearly the demand drives trafficking mm -hmm. um it's a it's a globally it's a 150 billion dollar industry human trafficking as a whole. Now, sex trafficking alone is a $99 billion industry. Labor trafficking, so the buying and selling of a human being for work, is a $51 billion industry. Now, that those are statistics, by the way, in 2014. Statistics in human trafficking, hard, hard to come by. They're very hard to come by. And so we know that's increased tremendously. We know that that's been... Um, a huge increase. So really, the driver of trafficking is money and demand. And that recognizing too, that the individuals who are trafficked, whether women or men or boys or girls, and depending on where you live, boys can be trafficked as much as 50% equal to girls. And so it can look very, very similar. That's another misconception that we, we think it's only, it's only girls, but really we see boys trafficked um, almost equally in some areas. But these people who are being trafficked are not choosing this. This is not something that that they're waking up and saying, okay, I'm going to do this to survive. They are frauded. They are coerced. And this is something. So I'll give you an example. This is one of my favorite examples because it really, we see an increase of familial trafficking quite a bit. So moms and dads are the traffickers. Grandma and grandpas are the traffickers. So if I were to, um, you know, after this show, let's say we were in the same room and hanging out and then I decide to kidnap you. Now I'm not going to do it. You're safe with me, but let's say I throw you in my white van, which is really a silver Buick. And then I drug you and I sell you. Now are you still going to be a good product for me? Quote unquote. I see. I see where you're going with that. Of course not. Mm -hmm. No, you're going to be afraid. Mm -hmm. You're going to be 
Now, instead, I become, and you can take any relationship. So I become the mom you've never had. I become the girlfriend you've never had. I become the partner you've never had. And then one day, and maybe over a year's time, I'm, I'm filling your needs. So I give you what you need physically, emotionally. I take care of you, whatever it may be. And then one day I say, gosh, we are in trouble financially and um, we need to pay the rent. We got to make rent. So I need you to do this one thing, maybe once, maybe gosh, four times max, but that's it. Now, are you going to be a good product for me? Of course. Changes everything. Because now, not only do you trust me, do you love me, but you think you've chosen this and you're going to do it willingly to help out the family or help out the relationship or whatever it may be. And we have spoken so many times on this on this show about narcissistic behavior and mm. basically the, the, the cycle uh, that that narcissists uh, go through in their relationships and to 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 bind the victim closer to them. Yeah. Of course, yeah. the same principles apply here. So, right, hundred percent. It's a grooming process, exactly. Regardless of yeah, what whether it's you're grooming somebody for trafficking, you're grooming someone to be um, a victim of child abuse, or whether you're grooming someone to be in a, a violent relationship, um, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, you you astounded me with the statistic that in some areas the boy and girl ratio is fifty fifty. If we assume uh, that homosexuality, if you look at studies, it's it sort of seems to be six to ten percent of the population. Yet, how can there be fifty fifty? Um, is uh, is what does that say for the society? Um, that's a good, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that before. Um, here's what I would say. Um, first of all, I will say that the LGBTQ plus community is at high risk to be trafficked and not because they're LGBTQ, but because they might be displaced, they might not Correct. feel accepted. Correct. Um, but I also would say that the trends in buying are not necessarily societal standards. So you could have someone who's buying sex from a boy. So, so a male buying, buying sex, you know, from a boy who doesn't necessarily identify as gay, Hmm. but there's a sexual fantasy that might be a part of it. Now, now a lot of these trends, um, you'll see link trending with pornography and, and trafficking and how they're very highly linked. And so what's being promoted here, you'll see a trend here. So, um, but, but I think understanding too, that a lot of times, you know, I, I think a lot of buyers don't really understand what they're doing. Um, so I'm given, I'm not, I'm not justifying. I'm saying, I think they actually think this person really wants to have sex with me, or this person really, 
when in fact what they're doing is is truly raping this this individual who is not um, on board at all. Um, but then there are buyers who are just sadistic and who are about power and control, and it's not necessarily um, just a sexual satisfaction. So it there are definitely different different ideologies of buyers out there. Well, and again, it shows how multifaceted the problem is, that mm -hmm. it is not so easy to just think of one stereotype uh, and you you see it in all kind of shades of gray that yeah. are that are happening out there. Um, wow. What are the statistics? What are well, what is the, the amount of people that go missing? And where mm. you think that human trafficking actually is applicable to? Now, that is a good question. And that statistic is not out there. And so here's what we know, that less than 2% of trafficked individuals are recovered. So when you're talking ever, somebody ever, ever, recovered. ever recovered. Now, what can happen is, and we know that the life expectancy of a typical individual being trafficked is about seven years. That's it. I mean, so whether whether that's a life expectancy within trafficking and, and they are um, dead because of drugs or abuse or whatever it may be, it's a very short, it's a very short life um, once you're in trafficking. Now, that that's not to say everybody. What we do know, and part of the reason that two, it's 2%, less than 2%, is because once you're in, it is either, it's hard to get out because either you are terrified, but most likely because the person who goes into the grooming process is not the same person who comes out. And so now you have an entirely different individual who has trauma bonded with their trafficker. And I heard a survivor say, if you want to help an individual who's been trafficked, you better be prepared to give them everything their trafficker is giving them and more. Because this person's taking care of me. This person loves me. This person is giving me a place to stay. And so if you were to approach somebody being trafficked and say, hey, I would love to help you get out, their response would probably be, get out of what? This is what I'm doing. I'm choosing this. This is my, this is my romantic partner. This is my parent, you know. And so it, it's a it's really understanding that, and which is why we're prevention. We want to stop it before it starts. Because if we can actually stop it before it starts then we can help with that, that restoration piece, the layers upon layers upon layers of trauma that individuals who are survivors are, are experiencing. And the recovery of a trafficked individual is a lifetime. I mean, it's, it's, there's no, it's, the trauma is immense. When you were saying that only 2% are recovered, and the remaining 98% is the end result death 
or does when you say recovered does that mean change of lifestyle and mm -hmm. live a successful life yeah that's so recovered slash rescued um so that could mean death but that could also mean not going um not the change of lifestyle we see a lot of people who were victims turn into traffickers And so you've got an additional, you know, so now, and, and again, that's through coercion that's through, but now you've done this for me. Now you're going to do this for me. And so it, it kind of looks like it, it in, in language of the, the street, um, a lot of times there will be a, a group of trafficked individuals, a trafficker might have what's called a stable And in that stable, they're housing trafficked individuals. One individual has risen up to the ranks and is now called the bottom bitch. So the bottom bitch is the one that keeps control of all of the other individuals in that stable. And so it's just, it's this hierarchy of, of evil that just keeps progressing. That's a logical thing, if you think about it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And it goes along with the trauma bond, and it goes along with all of that stuff, and this is what I know, and this is what I've learned. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it, it can be very, um, it's, it's, it's insidious. How much is police involved in your organization or let's rephrase that question how much is police resourced to look after missing children there's always the the thought of well the first 24 48 hours when they're missing you are not even can't do anything because they they might have just gone to friends so there's that limit then thereafter there's a sort of a a time when It is of interest to the police to really get involved because the yeah. earlier the better. But then a week, two weeks out, I mean, I assume we are talking an avalanche, really, of victims out there of missing children or missing young people. And there is, my gut feeling is that there is no way that the police is resort, resourced to deal with that. Am I right? Yeah. Well, that's another... Now, yes, that certainly happens and, and we see that and there are those things, but I'm, I'm going to debunk a myth here a, a little bit because I think that's kind of our mindset that people go missing and then, you know, yeah. what's going on. The reality is in the beginning of that grooming process, uh, a lot of kiddos who are being trafficked are still living at home. They're still in their community. And that's a hard thing, I think, for even, you know, the kiddos that we're educating to, to get that there was a young girl, she was in high school, she was getting straight A's, going to school every day, coming home, doing her homework, going to her afternoon job, and she was being pimped out or sold by her quote unquote boyfriend every night. Mom and dad had no idea. They were none the wiser. Right. And so... A lot of times, especially early on in that grooming process, 
these kiddos are, are not even, they're still at home. They're still in their communities. But what happens often is that then it looks like they're running. So, and we actually change um, in Nebraska, the work to change the word runaway to children missing from care. Because when I, when I say the word runaway, the image is, oh, well, they're just a runaway. They're a troubled child. They're just having problems. But what happens a lot of times is the trafficker will actually take them for a while and then they'll, and, and it would appear they're going willingly and then they come home for a while. So it looks like they're running. So they'll leave for a little bit, come home for three weeks, leave for a little bit, come home. And so then the image that we might see as a community or as, as law enforcement is they're runners. They're just runners. So it now here's what I will say about law enforcement. Law enforcement must be involved in all of these things. And, and um, law enforcement in certain communities are highly educated in this area and do a fantastic job. There are some areas that law enforcement still doesn't know what trafficking is and has this misconception too. And so that education needs to happen. And so it really is community by community, state by state, country by country, what needs to to happen in education and change. What about teachers? Uh, Mm. Is it a similar, a similar kind of experience that you have got there? Where there is, I mean, you 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 said that one example. No, that never happens to us here. Uh, as, uh, yet there were four people already missing. So, uh, tell me more about your your reality that you yeah. experience when you talk to schools. Now, teachers are one of our favorite groups to educate. They are amazing. They're on the front lines, and what. What has been so wonderful is schools really get it because schools see it. And so just like I said earlier, it took us two months from the time I proposed a curriculum to the time I was in the schools. It only took two months because schools got it. They were like, yes, we need you in the schools. Um, We have grown tremendously because of word of mouth of the schools. Now, Teachers desperately need to be educated in this area and um, teachers know, need to know what to look for. And so our ideal um, world would be educating teachers first and then the kiddos and the parents. We don't ever educate parents and kids together, but then, um, but always teachers first so that they know what to look for and then know what to do if a kiddo discloses that they need help. Now, teachers are going through it right now. And so what's happening is that with the pandemic, we've had two years of just chaos. Trafficking absolutely increased during the pandemic, in part because the number one place traffickers are luring the individuals they traffic is social media and gaming. So now we spend more time on social media. We spend more time gaming, whether we're kids or adults, let's face it. And then traffickers have more access to us or anybody who wants to do harm. 
Now we come back into the schools and we come back maybe part-time or full-time, whatever it may be. And teachers are overworked. They cannot handle the, um, the trauma-related issues that came out of the pandemic. And so there's even more issues in school, behavior issues. And, um, and so we're just seeing kind of chaos in the schools right now because there are not enough amazing teachers to do the work. And those ones that are there, I mean, what's the lifespan of someone being really enthusiastic about that topic? And then how quickly does burnout occur when you are yeah. there, you're seeing the problem, you suddenly, right. sometime, someone pulls the whale from, from you and you actually see the reality and you think, damn. And then you yeah. look, okay, what do I do now? And then yeah. I guess... The yeah, the, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, and that's why it's important. One of the things that we do, because we are an outside group that's coming in, we don't actually educate people to do it within the schools. We think it's important for outside agencies to do it, to give teachers respite and to have experts giving this information. And then when there is a disclosure, you know what to do. It is so, so challenging. And um, I will tell you that our educators, there's got to be a lot of self-care because hmm. even though they have the fun part there and, and our presentation is very, it, we bring in a lot of engagement. We bring in a lot of humor. We have fun with those kids, but when those kids disclose, it's, you got to be ready. It's hard. And obviously you will not, the moment you, you start encouraging a young person to open up, they will open up, maybe not necessarily about human trafficking, but they might uh, open up about other forms of abuse mm -hmm. that are so important to them and that were tainted by shame and guilt where they kept quiet and suddenly you are, you or the organization that you have encouraged to go in there uh, is suddenly got not only got to deal with the, the core focus, the, the human mm -hmm. trafficking, but also the other things. Uh, yeah. What is the, the availability of psychology and of, of counselors um, in your area? Because, I mean, that must be the next step then to to yes. take care of the emotional needs and the, the, the need to deal with the trauma now that you have spoken it out. Yeah, there are a lot of gaps in oh. in this area. Um, in our country as a whole, um, I I see similar gaps in other countries, but um, not, you know, it's very different in in different in different countries. One of the biggest gaps that we have is that there's not enough trauma therapists specialized in trafficking. That there's there's a wonderful trauma therapist out there. But you can be specialized in trauma therapy for domestic violence, for example, and that's great, but that's not going to equate to trafficking. It is very different. And so having more people trained on the recovery side of things with trafficking and knowing how to, um, and, it, and it's exhausting being on the recovery side because so many of the survivors that we see 
do go right back into that lifestyle because of that trauma. And that's discouraging in and of itself. So I would say that's a huge gap. There's a huge gap in not enough areas of not enough places of restoration, not enough safe houses. So there really are um, a lot of gaps out there that we need, we need filled. And that's of course the, the framework that is necessary. I loved the quote that you had from the survivor. If you're ready to rescue me, you better give me everything that my right. the, the perpetrator has actually that's given right. me. And that opens my eyes tremendously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm aware that there are other groups out there that are far more aggressive as far as rescue is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, yep. People who are um, ex-police force, ex-special forces, uh, who have banded together with private investigators and who are trying to find uh, trafficked victims and literally yes. remove them from their environment. Correct. Now that is quite cool, and if you think about it, that sort of yeah, male. I go yes. in there, I fix it. I, that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And now here we've got a damsel in distress. What are we mm -hmm. doing with the freaking damsel in distress yes. now? Exactly. Well, uh. and that's that is the problem because now you lit a fire right here because that's why <laughs> I am all about prevention yeah. because let's stop it first. Yeah. But we tend to get that savior complex, hmm. don't we? I mean, we want to rescue, we want to fix, and that's not a bad thing. We do need those people, but if we had less people we needed to rescue, hmm. what would, I mean, that would be great. Right. <laughs> but there's an old myth. There's an old or urban legend about um, all of there's these people at a river and they're looking at these babies go by there's babies in the river and they're like, come on, we got to save the babies. And so every day they're grabbing the babies out of the river. And then somebody finally says, Hey, let's go see who's throwing the babies in the river and actually stop them. And that's what prevention is all about. But prevention isn't sexy. People don't like to pay for prevention. People don't like to work for it. Prevention's not exciting. But I will tell you a story of a young boy, and this is why I do what I do. Young boy, he was in eighth grade, and he, uh, the, the foundation of our curriculum is you have an intrinsic value that cannot be changed. You have human dignity, you have worth, and there is nothing that anyone can do to change that. That's just, you have value. That's the foundation of everything we teach. This young eighth grader, after hearing our trafficking presentation, approached our educator and said, no one has ever told me I have value. I've never heard that. And started to open up about this situation in his family. He was in an extremely abusive home life. He was being abused by sexually abused by one of his family members. And he shared it for the first time. And of course we had to report it and we got somebody in the school who, you know, could handle that. And normally when we report it, we never hear again, what happens. We go back to the schools every quarter, every semester, but because of the confidentiality behind that, we can't know 
what the next steps were. But this little boy emailed us and he said, I want you to know that I was taken from my home. And it was really scary. But for the first time in my life, I feel safe because of you. And a month later, he emailed again and said, so I have a birthday today. Today's my birthday and I'm having a birthday because of you. That's why we do what we do. And that's everything. And if we could do that and we could actually, if we could make globally prevention a priority, imagine what we could do in, in costs of rescue and restoration and recovery and mental health and suicide and drugs and all the things, all the things. Yet what you've, what you've touched upon there is the key problem to so much trauma that I see when I speak to my guests here on the show. If I start drilling down, drilling down, drilling down to their core beliefs, we are coming to things that were said and done in childhood at an early stage yeah. that completely fucked them up. Completely. That's correct. And so we that is that is the starting point. The way we speak to our children, the way yeah. we deal with our children in general terms. There is such little awareness of the power, the negative, negative influence of simple words spoken out, um, of yeah. belief systems that are so black and white for a little child, and yeah. yeah. So I mean that is that is that is applicable to absolutely everyone out there who is listening. It is true, and which is why we talk to parents too, mm. because we have such power. As, as people who should be safe adults for these kids, we need to be those, those people in our kids' lives that they can come to with everything, anything. And one of the things that I say to par parents will ask me, how do I talk to my kids about this horrible subject? How do I talk to them about social media safety? How do I talk to them? And my response is, you have to have started talking to them early on about all of the mindless stuff that you didn't want to hear. You know, my kids talked to me about Minecraft for hours yeah. and I had no idea what they were saying. And, and my job as a parent is to say, okay, that's awesome. Wow. Great. That's great. Because when you do that, then when they come to you with, what do I do about this? Mm. They trust you. That's true. They trust you. And so it's not that you can't start over as a parent or you can't refresh and hit reset. You absolutely can. But if you are able to start at a young age and be that safe parent for them, then teach them things like consent, teach them that they get to say no to people who are asking them to do things that might make them feel uncomfortable or they get to say no to people who just want to give them a hug and they don't want to hug. That's okay too. But we need to be that safe adult from early on until they're adults. That's such a beautiful insight. And, and I recognize that I've completely failed in that in my we own family. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm a complete failure there because I've always put work first, 
thinking that I'm the provider for my family. I've worked hard. I've also drank hard in those hours mm. that were left because there was enough trauma in my life to fill, to fill, you know, a book. Yeah. So yeah. bottom line is it is, it's not an easy thing. No. And but we can always restart. And I think mm. that's the important thing. I think when we, when we say, okay, but I did not do that well. And this is what I did wrong. And owning that and saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. Mm. There's nothing more healing than that moment. And so it's a reset. We can do that. Exactly. And the past does not equal the future. I think that is the Correct. important bit. That is the important bit. That's where we're uh, making amends is such a powerful thing in yes, uh, uh, in absolutely. our journey into sobriety. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have to deal with the trauma. It has occurred. And there yes. will be more trauma waiting around the corner. You just haven't seen it yet. So yep. what we need to do is deal with the old stuff, put it to rest, however we can yes. do that. And I think reconciliation and actually making amends, being honest with you. Being your, honest. Yeah. Dishonesty yeah. will allow the flow of communication and suddenly yeah. information will come out and suddenly information that you probably do not want to hear as a parent. Yeah, I'm right. having now conversations with my children that are deeply, deeply hurting for me mm -hmm. because they are holding the mirror in front of their face, their perception of their childhood that I thought was all right. And now suddenly I get their version and uh, it, it hurts like being cut with a knife. Yeah. It is what it is, but it is only with that recognition, uh, recognition that I can actually move forward and allow them to move forward. And that, that will be the same thing for anyone listening to that. I dare to say there are very few people who got it, get it right. And who can I, really I don't know if anyone does. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think, but I think what you're saying is so important. And I, and I really admire what you say, because it takes, I think it takes a very special person to say, this is what I did. I own it. And now I'm trying to make amends. And that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And I think doing that, you're modeling that yeah. whatever has occurred in the past, let's deal with it. And That's because right. they will be in, in your in the so-called victims or however you want to to mm -hmm. label them, um, those young people who are now in situations that they never thought they would ever be in, there right. will be a lot of guilt and shame there too. Yep. But yep. and so here you are by actually modeling that you can live and speak about negative emotions, about things right. that are deeply shameful for you right exactly um, the moment you can speak out then you give them permission to speak out too right, right. that's the start isn't it that is that's, ev that's yeah. everything mm. yeah yeah and that's why i tell parents too that if your children say something to you that make your hair want to curl. And for those of you listeners, my hair is very curly, so I've been through it. So <laughs> they, they do something. Your initial response has to be no reaction and just thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. Because if you react in that moment with you did what, then they're never coming to you again. 
And so to be that safe adult, instead of asking the what questions, you know, I mean, or the, the why question, why did you do that? Why can't you be more like your brother asking the how, what questions, how did that happen? How, how, how are you feeling? You know, what do you, what do you want to share with me? And I think that that's the hardest thing in the world to do as a parent. Um, but it it takes, and it takes practice, but that is, if we can do that, that makes such a difference. Not that there won't be consequences. That's our obligation to be parents, but right at that moment when they're sharing something that's hard for them to share and that they're experiencing that shame and blame, we need to be there. But it's a skill and it's something that <laughs> we... Much. Uh, and now with that, I mean, you you don't get born with skills. You get born yeah. maybe with with uh, a willingness to do something. Yeah. But you need to learn how to do it. Especially and I guess, parenting. Example of shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also having the, diff the difficult conversations. So and that, is, yeah. that is where, I yeah. guess, where attending some classes with yeah. an NGO like you uh, yeah. comes in so handy because you have yeah. no idea what to look out for. You have got your no. own myths and misperceptions in your head. Right. Um, you know, and it is so, so hard to face reality. So anyone who is out there who is in my shoes as a parent and thinking, oh my God, where do I even start? Mm -hmm. You have already started. You have That's already right. listened here and you have That's already right. gained so much more knowledge than probably 95, 98% of your fellow other parents have on that topic. Right. Exactly. So congratulations for the first step that you have taken. And That's right. now it is up to you to, to use your mouth and your ears yeah. and you've got two yeah. ears, one mouth. And maybe you should use those equally uh, in the same ratio when you're actually yeah. talking to your children. Don't talk to them and at them and give you a yeah. version, but actually shut the fuck up and listen, <laughs> listen to what they are saying. Yes, 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 <sighs> I agree. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you said it, that that's one of the things that we offer. I, I don't think as parents, we can know everything and be a step ahead of everything. And especially in this day of social media, you know, we're the first generation of parents who have raised children that only live with social media. So have only known life of social media. So beauty of it is now um, our, our presentation, especially to parents, we love doing webinars. We love doing it digitally. And so we can educate you while you're sitting in your jams, you know, your PJs at home and you can be eating popcorn. And, and I think that's important because there's a level of anonymity that as parents is sometimes important to be able to ask questions and to be able to be really open and, and, um, and, and then not feel judged. Indeed, it is. There's sometimes it's time to just open up and just say it as it is. And that that act of talking out loud something that you have hidden for such a long time can be the most frightening, but also the most liberating thing yes. you have ever done in your life. Yeah. The moment it has left your lips, mm. 
and your ears hear your own voice saying it. There's a power in that. There's yes. a there is you 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 catch yourself and think, I just said that. And you wait for I don't know uh, something the to strike to you. Strike That's something. Why the bricks <laughs> falling down on you, and you will realize nothing is happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You will not get punished for speaking something that is unspeakable. On the contrary, right. Right. if at all, there is uh, people. If you if you spell it out to the right people, then you will actually see their eyes light up because they are grateful that you have finally got it that it's okay not to be okay that it's okay to admit that and it's not yes. okay to shut up and just, no. just and bury it correct correct yep yep beautiful 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 so stephanie if people want to get in touch with you and your organization how can they do that well, they can reach us at setmefreeproject.net. Um, and uh, you can reach me directly at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, at setmefreeproject.net. But we're on all of the socials, um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. And um, what I would say is this, if if this is something, because we can only go so far, we can only travel so far. So we are um, starting to widen our gate a little bit by offering, we, we sell our curriculum and our models. So not just our curriculum, but we teach you and we support you on how to do this in the schools, how to give these presentations to youth and have them stay engaged, how to get those done. And so we offer that. We also are starting to work on franchising across um, different areas because these kids need to hear this everywhere. And, you know, we talk about human trafficking, but we also also talk about social media safety. We talk about healthy relationships and we have a curriculum from third grade through college for youth and talk to adults of all facets. So we would love um, people to reach out and ask questions and partner. And we love to do virtual education too with adults. So we are here, reach out. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. Great. I've put all the information down there. And whilst you're down there, you might as well press the like button because this was an amazing yeah. interview. And uh, and maybe leave a comment and maybe maybe share some of the work that maybe you're involved in mm-hmm. or a simple thank you and that can that is putting a smile on our faces and and give us that little bit feedback of recognition because what we are doing is a labor of love here we are doing yeah. it because we are um, both both platforms me on, on steps to sobriety as well as stephanie with her ngo it, basically we are not making money out of out of this we are doing that because we've got a strong belief that we are mm-hmm. uh that we want to make this world a little bit better one step at a time and sometimes it's so beautiful for you guys to just give us a little bit feedback number one number two is the moment you've given feedback you realize oh wow my fingers have not just fallen off because i've done something (laughs) maybe maybe you can do something a little bit more maybe you can share your story and become someone who speaks out as well because the more we talk about it the more we demystify it 
the more we say, wow, yeah, me too. Look how powerful this movement has become. Well, what about human trafficking? Why not spell it out in the same way? Why not pull the, the covers off and, and why not shed light on, on this, this subject more? I'm sure we can prevent so many more lives spiraling out of control. So here I am talking about alcohol and alcoholism. Well, guess what? I mean, what is the chance of someone who has been involved in, in trafficking to at some stage become an addict uh, and mm -hmm. maybe only then appear on the radar of some health uh, professionals, etc.? Would it not make sense to start earlier? And that's exactly why yes, I've got yes. these topics, these topics here on on my show. So no, Stephanie, you're an amazing woman. Um, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for the hard work that you're doing over there in Nebraska. And when I say over there, it is just it so happens with Zoom and with us going out there and trying to change the world that we attract mm. other people who do the same and you just right. happen to be in Nebraska that doesn't mean to say that we cannot all work together and that yes. doesn't mean to say that that the lessons that you've learned in Nebraska are not totally uh, mm. applicable here there will be nuances that are different in New Zealand yeah. but overall it's the same theme it's the same yes. the same principles it's still the grooming it's still the the all the 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 psychology that happens yep. prior to the victim really being the victim and acting out yeah. as the perpetrator wishes it to. Yeah. So now, Stephanie, you're an amazing woman. Thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And you guys out there, stay strong. I believe in you. You can do it, whatever the trauma is, whatever, whatever crap you're going through now. Don't give up. There is hope. Look after yourself. Bye. Dream on, dream on.